pray together. Holy God, we rejoice with thanksgiving for all we have received for this life. God, for the gift of life to be alive. Father, we ask that you would multiply these gifts that we have given so that the world may more deeply know the fullness of life in you. May this, your word, give us the power to comprehend with all the saints the length and width, the height and depth of the love of Christ and the fullness of life in you. Lord, may my words that are insufficient become sufficient through your power and grace by the power of your spirit. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Responding to the word of God. We spent the last three weeks talking a little bit about what that looks like. And in a couple of different contexts. Two weeks ago, we examined in Mark chapter 6 the interaction that happens between John the Baptist and Herod. And how Herod responds. And asked the question, would we answer the challenge? Because the word of God is challenging. Last week, we looked at a concept, a biblical concept of rest. And the story of Jesus with the disciples as he says to them, come away and rest with me. And so we pulled apart, what would that look like? What does it look like to rest? And finally, this week, we'll continue in the lectionary, which actually jumps from the Gospel of Mark over into the Gospel of John, in, in John's sixth chapter. And examining this phrase, it is I. Do not be afraid that Jesus utters to his disciples. But before we can get there, we've got some work to do. And so we find, we find the disciples here in John chapter 6 in the middle of their Galilean ministry. If you were here last week, you will remember that we looked at these two passages in Mark that, that uh, kind of bordered the story of the feeding of 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. It was these kind of two transitional passages. And so today... We're going to stay right in that same narrative. We're going to move over to, the, to, to John chapter 6, but we're, we're staying in this story, in the Galilean ministry, in between those two passages, looking at perhaps Jesus' two most famous miracles, the feeding of 5,000 and walking on water. So we'll, I invite you to turn in the Bibles that you may have brought from home or to read on the screens from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? 
He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not be enough to buy bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat. And immediately, the boat reached the land toward which they were going. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's text teaches us three truths about us as people that I think, quite frankly, can be difficult for us to hear. We are unaware of what we actually require. That we are incomplete by ourselves on our own. And that we are in need of rescue. We are unaware of what we require. We are incomplete on our own and that we are in need of rescue. Fidget around if you'd like because it's going to get a little uncomfortable today. Um, because I think it's uneasy when we begin to really unpack some of the hard things. First, we are unaware of what it is that we require. In our text for this morning, it's easy to forget or ignore what is happening around Jesus, uh, with the people around him. What with all of the feeding 5,000 people and walking on water, it's easy to focus on that and miss what's happening on the periphery. So we, re- we read in today's gospel that that. People are coming to see Jesus. In fact, in last week's gospel, in, in Mark, he even goes further to say that all of, this, all of the people around in, in the surrounding villages were bringing their sick. They were carrying them on mats to Jesus to be healed. And what is Jesus' response? Did you catch it? It's easy to miss. But it says that Jesus goes up the mountain and he sits down. Now, that is not the posture of a healer. That is the posture in the ancient Near East of a teacher. In the Gospel of Mark, the writer goes further to explicitly say that that Jesus sits down and begins to teach them many things. 
Now, the crowd has expectations that their sick are going to be healed. Jesus sees this and chooses to teach. How would have you responded? You've just dragged your friend who is sick, maybe a family member, in the Galilean heat, up a mountain, to Jesus. And he just starts to talk. Did any of you hear what happened at uh, Build-A-Bear locations all across the country a couple of weeks ago? Build-A-Bear did a pay-your-age special. The deal was, if you show up at Build-A-Bear, you paid whatever your age was. If you were a seven-year-old, your seven-year-old got a bear for $7 or whatever. The response was overwhelming. Lines were over a mile long. A mile. In some places, there were more than seven-hour waits. I found these two uh, tweets that said, Thanks, at Build-A-Bear, for ruining my eight- and two-year-olds' day by closing your pay-your-age event before our mall even opens. Another wrote, listen to this one, The fighting is intense. And the wails and cries of the women and children can be heard from far and wide. I despair we shall never see a resolution to this dreadful conflict. This is talking about the Build-A-Bear thing. Take care of Fluffy for me, for fear, for I fear I shall never return. Now, it's funny then, but... Y'all, we do not respond well when our expectations are not met. We can picture ourselves in that line, perhaps behind the keyboard here. The people desire healing in today's text. And Jesus begins to teach. And he does it because Jesus sees what we need and not what we think we require. I was listening uh, to the radio not long ago. Imagine that. I listened to the radio. Uh, That's a true story. And a commercial came on for uh, (laughs) some kind of a treatment uh, for hair loss in men. And the more the years go by, the more I find those things catching my attention. (laughs) So, now, the commercial uh, described the various ways in which uh, this particular company would meet the needs of the balding American man. I'm not exactly sure what the treatments were, but they were myriad. And they closed the commercial with this final appeal. We will give you everything to make you feel like a man. What does that even mean, right? You know, and and again, we laugh, but they say those kinds of things because they're effective. That sort of appeal works. It works somehow because it connects with some sort of fear that is deep within us that says we're not enough, that's buried deep inside. If I find this, this thing 
and it's going to make me enough. More like a man, more like a woman. What have been those things for you? Those things that you have appealed to. Those things that you have thought you needed. Those things that you believed you required. Last week we focused on the concept of rest. What more evidence do we need than a God who gives us a fourth commandment to rest once a week, to know that we must not know what we need. We have a God who requires us to rest one in seven days, and that's challenging for us. What more evidence do we need that we fool ourselves, that we rely on superficial things, And so people come to Jesus for healing, and Jesus teaches, not because it's what they want, but but it's because he knows it is what they need. And he does this all within the context of community. Because by ourselves, we are not enough. Alone, we are incomplete. As the story unfolds, In John's sixth chapter on the mountainside, we see Jesus teaching to this large group of people. The hour gets late, and they get hungry. And what is fascinating about John's account, because all four Gospels have the feeding of the 5,000, but in in John's account, we get these interpersonal relationships. We get get to see. We get to see Philip's response and and Andrew's response and what's going on. And, And this young person who has five loaves and a couple of fish, who, when we read the Greek, we actually are not sure if this is a, a boy or a girl. It's, it's inconclusive, ambiguous. So this, this young person. And I think what happens with stories like this that, that many of us have heard many times is we lose sight of how this must have or may have played out. Andrew develops some relationship on this day on this mountainside with this young person. And he discovers that he has some fish and some loaves of bread. And so in seeing that, that they need some food, he points this out to Jesus. But we are incorrect to believe that Andrew must be going, well, because Jesus is going to feed 5,000 people with it. That's, that's not the reality. Andrew simply plays a part. Andrew plays a role. He points out that there is some fish and some bread. He does his part unwittingly. A couple of weeks ago, Amy and I were up in North Carolina, and we were in Asheville. And in Asheville, there's a chocolate factory. It's called French Broad Chocolate Factory. And you can go on a tour. Chocolate is exquisite. Highly recommend and you go on a tour, and you, they tell you how chocolate is made, which I had not really known. And, and, uh, and then you get to taste some of the chocolate, which was awesome. And uh, at the end, we were in the gift shop, and we were walking out. And this book, uh, this children's book, it caught my eye. 
It was entitled, No Monkeys, No Chocolate. Never having put those puzzle pieces together myself, I thought, I need to read that. So I, I opened it up and, and leafed through, and it was, like I said, it was a children's book, so it was you know, seven or eight pages long. And I got to the end, and it, and it said this. It said, monkeys yank pods off of cocoa trees. They gnaw holes in the fruits, and they pull out all the sticky insides. And as the monkeys travel through the rainforest, they suck on the lemony lime pulp and spit out the beans. Cocoa pods never, never fall off cocoa trees. If monkeys and a few other animals didn't scatter cocoa beans on the ground, new cocoa trees couldn't grow. Fascinating, right? I thought so too. Now, I gather that the monkeys probably don't know what part they are playing in the propagation of cocoa trees. And yet, they unwittingly play their part. Each piece of creation, friends, has a part to play in the divine drama, whether spreading cocoa trees or pointing out a child that has a few fish and a few loaves. Andrew didn't think to himself, I've got it all, figure it out. Find the kid with the loaves and the fish. But without Andrew, the kid's not found. So what do we do with that? What it teaches us is that alone we are incomplete. But together, with Jesus Christ, providing, magnifying, empowering We are made complete. So I ask you, what part have you been made to play? Because if you're not playing it, it's not getting done. So what part have you been made to play? This church, every Thanksgiving, uh, distributes hundreds of Thanksgiving baskets into the community. We do not budget for that project. We don't, we plan to do it, but we don't budget for it in a very unpresbyterian fashion. <laughs> we bet on this community to play its part, to step in to the gaps. This year, we have already committed to participating in Angel Tree again. And as the team evolves, we depend on you all to step into the gaps, to play your part. Is it you? Is it you that God has chosen to step up next? Cindy Vason and her children's ministry team plans vacation Bible school every year. They ask for reservations, but you know they don't get them. (laughs) Parents don't plan like that. And so they provide classrooms and they put the crafts together because they know that you are going to play your part. Who are you going to invite 
What parent, what next door neighbor are you going to share that with this week? It's not a matter of having it all worked out. And as N.T. Wright puts it, he says a part of our Christian faith is the expectation that God will do something we hadn't thought of, something new, something creative. We don't have to add it all up. It's stepping into the divine drama and playing our part. As we enter into the work of the kingdom of God, the good news is that we don't have to have it all worked out. We just have to be faithful. Now, the final thing that this text teaches, and perhaps I think the hardest to hear, is that we are a people in need of rescue. After they all eat, it says the disciples, they get into a boat and they head for the opposite shore. And after rowing for a few miles, the seas become rough because a wind begins to blow. And then they see Jesus on the water and they are terrified. Twelve men in a boat in need of rescue, terrified. And Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. One of the common objections to the uh, divinity of Jesus that you will hear in uh, culture is that uh, Jesus actually never claims to be uh, divine, that Jesus never claims to be God. And this is a widely held notion. Uh, And I think there are two good reasons for that. Uh, One is that we read the Bible in English, which can be at times unhelpful, and that two, we aren't first century Jews. So, thank you. Now, what I want you to remember is is that these disciples, these first century uh, Jews that we read about in this account... Uh, would have been intimately familiar with the Torah, with the first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They they would have been uh, intimately aware of the details of the stories involved here. And and in Exodus, we read the story about Moses rescuing the people of Israel out of Egypt. This was their story. And I I think the best comparison that we have, though though it falls short, is, is for us as Americans, the story of our founding fathers. And some of the mythology even that surrounds that. Like, what is one quality about George Washington that you learned when you were a little kid in school? He doesn't lie. His teeth are wooden too, right? Which that's another, I'm not sure why we all need to know that. But, they, they, but right, we, we learned that Jesus, uh, that Jesus, that George Washington, we learned that George Washington doesn't tell a lie. What, what a... Silly thing. Like, that's, of course that's not true. And, and yet, that's somehow we all know that. The, these disciples, these first century Jews, would have known this story in Exodus of Moses rescuing the people out of Egypt. And they would have known this story in Exodus chapter 3 of Moses and the burning bush. 
of God speaking to Moses. And this is where God asks Moses to go into Egypt and get the people out. And, and you get this back and forth between Moses and God, and Moses trying to talk him out of it and, and tell, tell him every reason why he's not fit, and God saying, no, 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 it's you. And, and Moses finally acquiesces, but he says, well, who am I going to tell them sent me? And God replies, I am sent you. Speaking the divine name, God reveals God's name and says, tell them, I am sent you. And when we read this story, in the original Greek, we don't read, it is I, do not be afraid. Jesus on the water looks at them and says, I am. Do not be afraid. Jesus looks at these first century Jews and he tells them that he is the one sent from God, that he is the divine. And then they want him in the boat. (laughs) As they recognize who Jesus is saying he is, they want him in the boat and they reach the shore. Friends, have you figured out who Jesus is yet? Because once you do, invite him in the boat. But too often we think, I've got this. I can do this. I'm enough. And this is particularly true of my generation and younger. You see, we were given trophies just for showing up. We were given ribbons for participating. We were told that we were special. And that we could be anything we wanted to be. And that we were Enough. We've been indoctrinated with the idea that we are perfect just the way we are. And that's simply not the case. And it becomes a stumbling block to real, authentic, life-giving faith. You are not enough. I am not enough enough. We are insufficient. I want you to say that with me this morning. Say, I am insufficient. There, we'll do it again. (laughs) I am insufficient. Does that make anybody else a little uncomfortable to say? Why? Why does that make us so uncomfortable? To say that we are not enough, to say that we are insufficient. Have you read or seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy? It's one of my favorite uh, works of literature. A huge, huge fan of Tolkien. And 
if, if you haven't, just very quickly, this trilogy tells the story of a ring that has been imbued with the power, uh, with a terrible, terrible power to destroy, but it is a power that seduces all who come into contact with it. Its very existence threatens the life of all who live in Middle Earth, this realm where the story takes place. And a group of some of the most powerful forces for good is assembled to destroy the ring. And it's, it's in this, it's in this very first installment of this trilogy that we meet one of the characters who's a great knight by the name of Boromir. And Boromir, like many great men before him, becomes fixated on the ring, intoxicated with its power. And in this one scene, mesmerized by the ring, he gazes longingly at it and says, Is it not a strange fate that we should suffer so much fear and doubt for so small a thing? Is it not a strange fate that we should suffer so much fear and doubt for so small a thing? Friends, our need to be sufficient in and of ourselves is so small a thing. And yet because of it, we suffer such fear and doubt. We allow untruths to speak into our lives to say that they will make us enough when the truth is there is only one power that makes us enough when we are faced with the storm when we are faced with the wind christ himself stands before us and says i am Do not be afraid. And it is there in our insufficiency that we are met with the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and made whole. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask this day that you would make us comfortable with our insufficiency, that we might rest in the sufficiency that you and only you can provide. God, the winds and the storms, they rage about us. We get confused, we lose our direction. Father, focus our hearts in such a way that we would know the truth, that we would know the way, that we would know Jesus Christ as sufficient.